Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum, and we have a very busy week of news to break down. I didn't really expect this heading into the All-Star break, if I'm being completely honest, but uh, lots to talk about today, and uh, I think we got to get definitely the biggest news out of the way uh, early, and probably the one we will spend the least amount of time on, just because there's not a ton for us to say Um other than the fact that there is finally some progress in the uh, World Junior Team Canada 2018 sexual assault case, uh, the London police have asked uh, five players to turn themselves over, and all five players have. Uh, Alex Formanton, Dylan Dubé, um, Carter Hart, uh, McLeod, and um, I'm blanking on the last guy from New Jersey. I apologize. Um, foot, foot. Yes, thank you. Um, all five have turned themselves over to the police, and uh, they've all said that they will be pleading not guilty. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where the next steps go from here. Um, they, I, I think it was Rick Westhead who had reported just due to the legal backlog in Canada, there's a good chance this doesn't get taken to trial until 2026 um so i I don't think that's unusual but uh definitely just something to keep in mind with when people are wondering you know why there might not be much progression um and yeah i mean you can't we like we're not gonna sit here and speculate or anything like that um it's good that there is Finally, some progress in this case, I think, is what I will say. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's the main takeaway. Yeah, and, you know, it's now it's about kind of letting the process run its course. Um, there's a, a couple other things. So obviously I think one of the big things that stem from this is how the Calgary flames and Dylan Dubé responded to this. Uh, so Dubé was the first one to take a leave of absence. I believe it was last Sunday and uh, the flames put out a statement saying that they've granted him leave uh, indefinitely for absence for mental health reasons. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was obvious right away, but then when Carter Hart, uh, was put on an indefinite leave of absence for, quote-unquote, a personal matter, it became pretty obvious what was happening right away, especially because Alex Formanton later in the week then was granted a leave of absence for his team in Switzerland to go back to the uh, Canada, and then that's when the report that uh, they were going to, you know, five players were going to have to turn themselves over to the police came out. Um, so the Calgary Flames are rightly receiving a lot of backlash for putting out uh, mental health as the reason that Dylan Dubé is... Uh, taking a break from the team. Um, Calgary has put out a statement and said they had no idea that this was the case. And this is what he was leaving for. He came to them and said that he needed to leave. Um, I, I don't know if I believe that. Uh, That's a million dollar question. Yeah. I think at the very least, what needs to be said is there probably should have been more due diligence on the flames part. Um, like you knew Dylan Dubé was a part of that Team Canada roster. You knew, even even if you didn't know he was what, like I obviously we have no idea what Dubé told the Flames or anything like that, and it's very possible he denied everything to the Flames and probably again probably did if they're pleading not guilty, but like they just it felt like there probably should have been a little more due diligence or you know like the, everyone else's statement of taking time for personal matters like that's that's all that really needed to be said because you know like it, it, you're using mental health as a crutch here which is just disgusting to see yeah it's a pretty miserable look and they've rightfully been getting absolutely torched for it on online it's just a bad look either way like if they were they they didn't just find out about this, I have to assume. And if they did, that's worse. Yeah, I mean, like again, maybe just finding out about like I I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that they 
necessarily new, right? But like, I, you needed to know this was a possibility, I guess, is what yeah. I would say. They and, had to have had some idea. Yes. And I, again, like, I think it kind of shows an absolute lack. Someone is absolutely showing their face here in terms of, and it very well could be Dylan Dubé as well. If you don't even have the balls to say why you were taking this leave for your team, like to your team, like, what are you doing? And, and again, like, look at the allegations against them. It, it probably shouldn't be a surprise, but uh, honestly, and just to, you know, like to make things even worse, Oliver uh, Shillington is coming back from like two years off because of mental health. He had just oh, played his first game that. back with like, like two weeks ago with the flames. So it's like, Oh yeah. Like, no, this is actually a really serious issue. And, and obviously the other thing is super serious and you're allowing it to be undercut by Try, like I don't know if they just thought they could dodge it or maybe they genuinely just didn't know, but it's just a really horrendous look and they yeah are, are rightfully getting torn to shreds about it. Yeah, it's just a, a miserable look to add on to an already miserable situation. Correct. And, you know, and again, like given the allegations against them, maybe you shouldn't be surprised that Dylan Dubé would do this, but it's like you would think you would try to save a, a little bit of face or, or something like that, but hey, you know, um, yeah, I don't think there's too much more to say uh, about it. There was an extra charge on McLeod um, and yes. his involvement in it. Um, so again, I, I don't, I don't really want to. Uh, speculate or anything like that uh, i'm just going to read out what rick west had tweeted here uh this is from the uh the official document dylan dubé on or about the 19th day of june in the year 2018 in the city of london in southwest region did commit a sexual assault on em uh contrary to section 271 of criminal code of canada the document repeats the same allegation against each of the four players and says mcleod is also facing an additional charge of sexual assault for being a party to the offense uh, all players have said they will plead not guilty and the allegations against them have been have not been tested in court. Uh, the players were arrested on January 26th and their next appearance date is February 5th, according to the documents. So um, from the reporting that we had had in previous documents, one of the players had invited the woman to the room and then that was consensual. But then he texted the other four people who came over and that's when the non-consensual stuff happened. Um, so it, you know, again allegedly looks like that might have been McLeod, um, the first person, but we'll wait to see how it all, uh, all kind of bears out. Yeah. Just, just miserable. Yeah. It's, it's just a horrendous situation altogether. And, um, someone in one of our group chats the other day had mentioned, like, it, it's one of those things that genuinely makes you question your fandom of the sport. And, I think that's a pretty good way to put it. Um, yep. You know, it's, there, there's no actual bright side to take out of this other than hoping that this person does get a little bit of closure for, you know, seeing the process actually go through as it should. Um, and, you know, hoping to avoid this kind of situation in the past or in the future, sorry. Um, because, you know, honestly, like one of the saddest moments is, you know, when this stuff comes out, it's obviously appalling, but, I've seen multiple people say, sadly, it's not as shocking as you might think. And it's like, that is gross that that is where hockey culture is. Yep. So, yeah, that's the, that's the worst part that, well, I mean, there's a lot of worst parts. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't be so, but you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the whole thing is a worse part, but yeah. Yeah. The fact it's, that it's a problem. Yeah. It's, it's just sad. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And so again, like we don't, I wish I had more to, to, I mean, I don't wish I had more to say that that's just kind of where you have to leave it right now. And then obviously as more develops, we will, uh, we will talk about it because that is it. I guess the other thing I've tried to say this before, it is important to not just ignore the stuff either, right? Like there's only so much you can say, but it is important to actually talk about it and the importance of why it, cannot be repeated right so yeah it did happen it's very important it's awful that it did happen but it's it's a part of 
hockey at this point. Yeah. So, um, I, again, there's no really good transition on the way out of here, but uh, how about we talk about some actual NHL move, uh, news? Um, bit of an uplifting weekend this weekend in terms of just the vibes, I would say. Um, again, trying to just shift off of obviously an absolutely terrible thing. Uh, let's jump into the All-Star game real quick. Uh, I don't have too much to talk about, I don't think, because we're recording for everyone on Thursday night uh, as we're recording the PWHL 3-on-3 showcases going on. Uh, they just ended the first period. I have it on my iPad beside me. It's been pretty entertaining so far. Uh, back and forth action. I was telling Chase before we hopped on, it does feel like the NHL All-Star game in a little that you can you can definitely tell they're not trying as hard and very fairly so, um, but it's still been a lot of fun with some back, to, back and forth action. So, um I'm curious to see what the skills competition is like. I don't think we need to dive into it too much because honestly, by the time most people are listening to this, it either is happening or probably has happened. So we'll maybe recap it a little more, but I will say I'm glad they're trying something new again this year. Like it, it felt like a change was needed. And, you know, so for Connor McDavid to sit down with the league and kind of highlight stuff that he wanted to see, as well as giving an actual incentive for people to try. Uh, I, I am excited to see what the skills competition brings. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. The skills competition is usually the best part anyways. Yep, absolutely. And I think it's um, going to be even better because uh, so I, I think it's is it 12 or 16 people start. They do a couple competitions like the hardest shot of accuracy and stuff like that. First place gets five points. Uh, I think they go in groups of six and then all the way down to one or zero points. Uh, and then the top eight skaters advance. And that's when they do that uh, goalie skater breakaway where the, the the skater with the most points gets to choose what goalie they shoot on i believe uh and then the top like four i want to say advance to an obstacle course and the winner gets a million dollars uh and then the incentive for the goalies is who whichever goalie makes the most saves in their competition also gets a hundred grand so um yeah like i think it's a pretty good uh Good way to get everyone involved, everyone actually caring a little more. And I thought the really neat thing, and I didn't actually know this until I was just in overdrive tonight, uh, the players who are not, who are part of the game and everything, but are not actually part of the skills competition, do not have to be there if they don't want to be. Oh, really? Yeah, which I think is great because one of the things that always just looks so silly in years past is having all the guys there that are doing like one 30-second event. They got to just sit there on uh, on the ice in their full gear for like, two hours just looking bored out of their mind. Yeah, that is a very good feature. That was that was just not needed. Yeah, exactly. And and they are, I think, putting um a lot of like the uh the players you want to see in the skills competition as well. So uh like I, I'm I'm genuinely this is the most intrigued I think I've been about an all-star weekend in a long time, I'll say. I agree with that. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I have to think about other times I've really cared about it before. But it should be interesting. Yeah, basically never. Like, I was curious to see what the Vegas one would have looked like, whether well, that was last year, I think, right? Or, or two years ago, maybe even already, where they're doing like that shooting out in the fountain. And then that didn't turn out great and everything. But yeah, like I think it'll be fine. Um, I, I get this weekend isn't for people like you and I, really. It's for the people who are live at the event, as well as, you know, the, the kids that are watching as well. Um, so I, I try not to complain about the game too much. Uh, I, I probably just won't watch the actual game itself. It is what it is. I, I totally understand why no one's going to get out. There. I, I heard people like talking about how do you make it good again where people care? It's like, no one wants that. Imagine Austin Matthews breaks his wrist or something, blocking a shot in the all-star game. Yeah, there's not a lot you can do to ever make people care. No, and nor should you. Like, again, like, I just, I also don't know what, because there's only a limit to what people are going to care about. It's like, do I really care if I see, like, Matthews versus McDavid at, like, 92%? Like, maybe, but the stakes don't mean anything. Like, there's nothing to the game, so I don't really care that much. No. Yeah, yeah. There's basically nothing that can make it meaningful. So, yeah, I I, I'm, I probably won't watch the game, but that, that again, that's okay. Um. The teams were picked tonight. Uh, 
we had planned to record this right after the entire All-Star event went because I saw it was on till 9 o'clock, and I figured, oh, the draft will probably be a big part of that. I knew the PWHL showcase was on, but if it was like, oh, the draft will probably go till 7, 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock, and then the, the last hour will be the showcase or, or vice versa, you know? No, turns out the draft was over by about 7.15 p.m. because I turned on my TV when I saw that the first round had already been picked, and... They were already signing off saying, we will see you all tomorrow. And I was like, what is going on here? Um, That's probably partly on me as well, but I I thought that was interesting that they did the draft really early. Uh, I haven't really seen too many takeaways online. I don't know if you have, Chase, about how the draft went. A lot of Tate McRae tweets. (laughs) That's about it. (laughs) Hey, I was told people don't really know who she is, though. So That, That is true. Um. It looks like basically everyone just picked their buddies, every, you know, which is not it's shocking. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, team Matthews and Riley. So it's Matthews, Riley, and then they pick Nylander, Marner, shocker, uh, Ottinger, Keller, uh, Barzell, Shesterkin, Forsberg, Dabrinkit, Trocek. Uh, team Nathan McKinnon, shockingly, has Kale McCarr, Sidney Crosby. Uh, and then Gorgiev, Kaprasov, Sebastian Ajo, Tom Wilson, Jeremy Swayman, Travis Konechny, Elias Lindholm, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Connor McDavid, shockingly, as Leon Dreisaitl on his team, Connor Hellebuck, David Pasternak, Rasmus Dahlin, Robert Thomas, Sam Reinhart, Bobrovsky, Boone Jenner, Nick Suzuki, and Thomas Hurdle. Uh, and then the Hughes brothers, uh, which Jack obviously isn't playing. It's Quinn Hughes, shockingly, Elias Pettersson, uh, then Nikita Kucherov, shockingly, Thatcher Demko, uh, Kyle Connor, Brady Kachuk, shockingly, yes, or Brat, Cam Talbot, Brock Besser, JT Miller, and Frank Vedrano. So, I mean, this is about what was expected, I think. Uh, it, I, I wouldn't have mind seeing some of the teammates not play on the same team, if I'm being completely honest, but I'm not shocked that they're they're all on the same team. Yeah, if you let them pick bets, of course, they're going to do, which that's fine enough. Let, let them do what they want. You did give them the offer. But uh, my my friend texted me sticks in the middle. That would be a hilarious <laughs> way to just fully randomize. That would be awesome. That. It would work our three on three too, because basically every defenseman who's here can just be an extra forward when needed as well. So it's not like it would matter if one team had like five defensemen on it. Yeah, it's really it really would work. <laughs> That's hilarious. I get they probably went they would have nowhere near as much content <laughs> with that, but yeah. that's that's honestly that's great. I loved it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have too much more on the all-star game. I just want to, I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit if there's any, any takeaways on how the Friday goes and the Saturday as well. Um, but yeah, I think again, like for the people who are like, Oh, it's just a joke. Like this is so stupid. It's like, man, like there's better stuff to do than be with your time than be mad at this. Just, just go for a walk or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, the people who get mad at it are astounding because, like, nobody actually cares about it. It's the thing. So who's arguing against you, right? Yeah, like, if you can't see that it's for the – it's a corporate sponsor and then for people who are there live as well, I'm sure it is pretty cool. Like, if, if you can't see that's the case by now, like, what are you doing yeah. here? Yeah, like, I saw uh, Nick, I think it was, for just one of our friends lives in Toronto talking about how like the the city atmosphere was really cool and i totally believe that like the nashville itself was a lot cooler with the draft going on than it was in general not that nashville needs help to be interesting but still the the general atmosphere is absolutely amazing for when you're there and that's obviously what it's been about and it's always been about yeah exactly so um yeah yeah i think that's Unless you have anything else that you wanted to hit on, I think that's all I really had on the All-Star game. But Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's move on. Uh, but before we do, uh, sports betting has rapidly risen in popularity, and we want to connect you all with an opportunity to get started or get ahead. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the most simple way to maximize your profits, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash MNM, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region, along with a review of each platform and its unique benefits. All of these sportsbooks have valuable signup offers uh, for new users, and when you register through our link, you will automatically receive the top offer at each one. 
Uh, if you want to take advantage of these benefits and support our brand, please consider signing up for your next sports book at signupexpert.com slash MNM. All right. Um, let's get to some of the bigger news of the week in terms of uh, in the NHL. Uh, lots to break down here this week. Uh, let, let's start with the, the most recent uh, big piece of news. And we have a trade to uh, dissect. We do have a trade. A one of the bigger ones at this point in the year that I can remember, maybe like my, I'm sure there are probably others at similar times, but uh, the Vancouver Canucks and Calgary Flames make their second trade of the year uh, after Zadorov was already um, flipped earlier this year. The uh, Vancouver Canucks now acquire Elias Lindholm and $4.85 million uh, on his contract. He's a UFA at the end of this year in return for Andre Kuzmenko, uh, Yoni Yermo, Hunter, uh, I, I always butcher his name, Hunter Bruce Dewich, uh, uh, 20, yeah. 2024th first round pick, 2024 fourth round pick, which is conditional. Uh, the condition on the fourth round pick is it becomes a third round pick if Vancouver makes it to the conference finals. Uh, if the pick remains a fourth, Calgary will receive the better of the two picks that Vancouver owns, which is their own and the New Jersey Devils. Uh in really interesting trade here. So I think let's highlight maybe what this means for Vancouver first, and then we can look at Calgary in the return, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. It's always easier to judge the selling teams. I think that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So for Vancouver, I I'm torn on this and I, I love your thoughts because I, on one hand, understand why they're kind of going in right now. Heading into the year, we I, I think we both kind of thought they should be taking a legit step back and trying to figure out what they should do around Pedersen, Hughes, and Demko. And I still kind of think that, um, but I also completely understand from a business and just honestly, a, a, a logical perspective, you can't be like, no, we're actually not going to do anything, even though we lead the league in points right now. We're on pay. Like if the season ended today, we'd be the conference champions or the president's trophy winners. So we can't, we can't actually do anything. So I do actually kind of understand going and being like, okay, like, yes, this team has obviously been a bit lucky. I'm very lucky. I would say with their shooting percentage, Demko's played out of his mind. And some of that might be a little more sustainable than say a team like, I don't know, like Columbus doing that or whatever, but I do kind of appreciate going out and saying, okay, like regression is probably on the way at the end of the year. Let's go get some insulation to go help our team. I think the next question though becomes, is Elias Lindholm actually the name that you feel can actually do that? Yeah, that is the more important question because even if we wouldn't have necessarily bought, like you got to respect the swing. Given yeah, like where they are and everything, you can't, really do anything but be like you know what i respect it yeah like I, I saw some people saying why would they trade away their first it's like man like i i'm more down on this team than i think anyone like i'm still not very sold that they're like i i see people throwing them around as like a cup contender it's like i i think they're very far away from that but like even if they fizzle out and lose in the first round or whatever it's like that pick's gonna be like 20th overall and you know they're not gonna rebuild after this off after this season now either right so it's like i don't know I, I i get why they took the swing but elias lindholm this is a, I, this is a lot to give up for elias lindholm and i think part of it is probably getting out from that andre kuzmenko contract uh which has not been good for him this year he scored 39 goals last year i had no idea uh i had no idea about that uh he has 21 points in 43 games this year, but he's been healthy scratched like four times, I want to say. Um, so I'm assuming that is probably part of the cost in this, but uh, Elias Lindholm on this roster. Do you like the fit? Do you not like the fit? I am cautiously optimistic of it. I think he'll be a good 2C. I agree. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of people being like, this is the best place he could have gone. And I'm not really sure I understand that kind of take. Yeah, I don't love that idea. I think this is the best center they could have got. 
like I think Vancouver buying Lindholm makes the most sense as opposed to like Monahan or Henry. Yep, I I agree because obviously Monahan's the the next name out there. Um, it sounds like the Habs will definitely move him, and fans are now very rightfully excited about uh, what they might get for <laughs> for him at this point. Um, but Lindholm's got wow, right? Pardon, sorry. Lindholm's got to be worth a lot more, right? Yeah, I mean, Habs fans are basically just pointing at Monaghan's counting stats this season, being like, well, see, they have the same amount. So if if Lindholm got this, like, well, Lindholm has a lot bigger history of being a very solid player, though. Yeah, like this is Lindholm's worst year and half a decade of Monaghan's best. And the fact that they're just touching tips at this point is like, what what are we doing? Pretending the to be the exact same player. The Flames sent a first to get rid of Monaghan while they were still competing. That's yeah. how long ago it was. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but I, I agree that I think this is if you're gonna go take a swing at center, which they they absolutely needed. Like Pia Suter was playing second line center for them um yeah. right now. Like this is the guy probably to go get uh, for a pure rental standpoint, anyways. I, I don't know if anyone with maybe more term would have been available, but um yeah, I think he should slide in nicely as a guy who doesn't need to be a one C or if he is technically a one C it's not a one C driving his own line or anything like that. Like he'd be playing alongside like Pedersen or Besser or someone like that. Right. Or, or JT Miller, I guess Pedersen probably slides back to center. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, on that standpoint, I do like it. Um, I don't know. I, I just keep coming back to, this is a lot to give up, like a lot to give up. It is. I would like to know how much of it bakes in selling Kuzmenko. Yeah, I'm sure that probably is why it was a fourth and an extra prospect or something like that. Like, I think obviously Lindholm was always going to fetch a first. Yep. Yep. Pretty comfortably. Yeah. I would say. But then when you have Kuzmenko, because the big thing about Kuzmenko, so he has one more year after this one at $5.5 million. Like to me, that's not, like, am I crazy to think the Flames could retain some salary and flip him pretty easily with for genuine assets? Yeah, non-zero chance he is an asset if they, if they Yeah, paying. or maybe next year they try and rebuild his value and next year they flip him or something like that. Like I just. Yeah, I, his underlying number, like his RAPM is still good. He just doesn't have a crazy inflated shooting percentage. Yeah, exactly. And like. I don't know, maybe, the, you know, like, I, I think he was a healthy scratch at times this year, so maybe there is, like, a, a, a attitude thing or something, you know, like, something behind the scenes that we're not... Uh, yep, that's entirely a, possible. Privy to, right? But, yeah, like, I, I just... I, I kind of think that if they put him in a good spot over the next month and he, you know, just scores a few more goals and is back up to, like, over half point per game or whatever, it's like... If you retain a million and a half dollars or two million dollars, and he suddenly becomes a three point five million dollar player, I think you get some team to bite on that. Or maybe you hold them all year, and then with one year left is when you flip them, and you're probably not getting a first or anything, but be like a third and a fifth or a third and a D minus level prospect or something. It's like, yeah, you're you're looking pretty good here. Yeah, I think that that would be a great outcome. Um, and then the so the first is obviously nice. Like I, I think. I guess what I'll I'll put on this is Vancouver did an up in the I think it's up in the air with how good Vancouver did. Uh I'm not sold that they uh they crushed this or or hit it out of the park or anything like that. Um I think Van I, I think Calgary did a very, very good job on this trade though. Like I, I don't know how you can look at this other than uh an outstanding win for Calgary. Yes, a hundred percent. It's Again, it's it's easier to judge the seller, but it's a fantastic trade. They get the first round pick that they needed. They need to start start replenishing there. Um, they get Hunter. I am not going to try to pronounce it. <laughs> I quite like as a prospect. Like, yeah, I don't know. I think they did exactly what you would be hoping to do. I'm going to start calling him Hunter Brustevich. I'm not. Sure, I'm sure I'm butchering that name, but that's what I'm going with. 
Um, just for people who don't know, he is playing with the Kitchener Rangers uh, this year. He had a huge jump from last year. He was still very solid last year, put up uh, six goals, 51 assists for, in 68 games for the Kitchener Rangers, and was a giant part of upsetting the Windsor Spitfires, uh, who were the one seed, and the, the Rangers were the eight seed. Um, this year, he has eight goals, 61 assists for 69 points in 47 games played with the Kitchener Rangers. Uh, I've got a chance to put eyes on him a bunch of times already this year. He is just a workhorse for this team. He does it all. You know, obviously the points are there. Um, you know, the, the the Rangers have a very, very good team. So that assist total is, is definitely a little inflated, but like he is a very, very good player who plays all situations for this team and, and looks very good doing it. Um, I, I'll let you dive into the model and how it thinks about it. But I was very happy when I saw you posting about it, that it kind of matches up with my eye test because I really am really high on this player. Yeah. Our model loves him. It loved him in the draft. And then he's taken another step since then. Like I know some people in the scouting community are somewhat skeptical because the like pure tools aren't crazy, but I mean the results he's managed to get in the OHL are absolutely incredible. At which point, he's worth the risk. Yeah, exactly. Like even if he turns into a third pair, like an Eric branch type third pair defenseman who could play power play too, like as yep. the secondary piece, maybe even third piece, depending on what Kuzmenko can return in a trade. Like that is, that is a great bet to be making. So some of our, some of our comparables for him, um, we're pretty outlandish. Um, not that the math is wrong, but you know, he's scoring very similarly to a young Adam Fox went around Twitter today. That is true. Don't expect him to be Adam Fox. Um, he's scoring very similar to a young Quinn Hughes. That is true. Don't expect him to be Quinn Hughes. The comp I really like when I was looking at our numbers is he's sitting very close to Sean Dursey at the same age. And I think that would be a really interesting outcome. Where You know what? Sean Dursey is a bit of a power play merchant at the NHL level. But, I mean, there's a ton of value in a player like that when he's young. Yeah, I mean, Sean Dursey showing exactly why a team like Arizona was smart to go pick him up this year, where he's not great in his own end by any means, but he's not like an absolute liability out there. And at five on five, he he helps control play pretty well offensively as well. And as you said, like very solid on the power play. And that's where a lot of his points are, pro are, are coming from, I would assume. Um, but like that again, that, that's a very good outcome if that's what he turns into um, yep. as both a third rounder, but also just, uh, yeah, a guy who's, I'm not going to say a throw in in this trade, but probably an underrated part. Like when people are looking at this return, he is not the thing that jumps off the page. It's Kuzmenko and the first round pick. Yep. Yeah, exactly. At which point, you know what, as, as far as the additional prospect that gets added in when you're talking about a first round pick and a B prospect, I think. I think he's a great shot. Far from a guarantee, but I, I respect the swing on it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see what uh, Vancouver keeps doing. Uh, there was a rumor that Chris Tanev was going to be involved in this trade, and then they decided it'd be better to um, try and negotiate that separately. Uh, that would be fascinating to see if they make three separate trades between each other in the same year. I genuinely do not know the last time that would have happened. Yeah, I couldn't name that off the top of my head. Especially all for like relatively high name. Like it's not like it's just AHLers getting flipped back and forth or anything like that, right? Like, yeah, yeah, big name deal all the way through. Um, but yeah, I, I was listening to Mike Johnson on uh, Overdrive today, and he was saying he wouldn't be surprised if they actually flip Zadorov. It hasn't worked out uh, as well as they were hoping. Which I mean, I don't know. I, I can't be shocked by that, but that would be really interesting if they flip him use the cap space to go get someone like Tanov. Um, and then obviously just the, uh, the storyline of Tanov going back to Vancouver where he played 10 years there, I think it was uh, before going to Calgary and look cooked at the end of his Vancouver time, to be completely honest uh, and has rejuvenated himself in Calgary. Yeah, absolutely. That's what do you think? How many pieces are the Canucks away from a real contender? I mean, if they add Tanev, I still think they would be they would be close to contend. I don't. So I don't know. Like right now, let's just look at 
if I list off a couple of names, you tell me if you think they have a higher or lower chance of winning the cup than any given team right now. Okay. We'll start with the Winnipeg Jets. With Tanev, yes. I th- Yeah, I think they're around the same, maybe a little lower than Winnipeg, but if they go and add Tanev, assuming Winnipeg doesn't add anyone, which I'd be surprised if they didn't add anyone, but I think they would be slightly ahead. The Edmonton Oilers. Um, I was talking to my friend about this on Twitter. Did you see the Jay Fresh tweet about he just baited people? It was like, I've never seen two teams more confident that their fan base is more confident their teams would win in a playoff series. And he posted the Oilers and Canucks team cards. <laughs> I I didn't I've, see that, but that was funny. It was exceptional bait. I said that. I was talking to my friend about that. I said Oilers at four. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I, I would heavily favor the Oilers. I, I think it'd be five, you know, maybe you could convince me six, but I, I would heavily favor the Oilers. Uh, Colorado, and I think it's like Colorado is clearly comfortably, yeah. Yep. Dallas? That is the most interesting one to me. I think most of the answers are directionally obvious, except this one. Yep. I think this one's pretty close to 50-50, especially if they added someone like Tanev. Um, I, yeah, my brain says the stars. You know me, I love my I love my priors. But I don't know. Maybe the Canucks wave is a little realer than I think it is. Yeah, I just worry about the depth of Vancouver in a playoff series, I think, right now. like that That's the biggest thing is even if they do add Tanev, it's very clear that the Canucks have the high-end talent to compete with basically anyone, you know, like Pedersen is amazing. Brock Besser, you know, is a great goal scorer. Hughes is amazing. Demko is amazing. They have the three pillars that you really need uh, to be an elite team, but like Niels Hoglander and like Sam Lafferty, especially Sam Lafferty's on like a 25 goal pace, if I'm not mistaken, that that's not going to continue. Yeah. All of the depth is, which is absurd. And it's like they were trying to ship off Connor Garland earlier this year. And it's like, oh, no, now he's actually an integral part of the team. It's like, maybe it stays that way. But it's like, I I just don't know. Like, yeah, he can probably fade that. So, yeah, it's Dallas. Dallas. I just, yeah. Like, so right there, if we say they are equal or slightly below all of Colorado, Dallas, Vegas, we'll throw in there, throw in there in there as well. Obviously, um, you know yep. they've been a bit up and down recently, but I, I still have faith yep. that that Vegas team will uh, figure it out. Um, yep. So Vegas, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Dallas, Colorado, like that. There's five teams, so they're maybe the sixth in the West alone. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I know people are probably going to be very angry about this, but it just, the priors thing is the biggest thing for me, where it's just like, we've seen this team be so mediocre for so long that I, I can't really buy into everything quite as, like, they sort of a 105 PDO. This reminds me of that St. Louis Blues team from a couple of years ago, that it was like, like, there were smart people. Shooting percentage. Yes, there were smart people being like, what they do has resulted in a 105 PDO. They, they have figured out how to gain the shooting percentages. Like, no, that's not how it works. And sure enough, that's not how it works. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean their luck needs to run to an end by the end of the season, though, I guess is the one thing I would say. But I don't know. I, I still need to see it a little longer than this, I think, to really buy into like a full-on cup. They're, they're obviously a playoff team. Like they are that is set in stone and they will probably have home ice in the first round as well. Um, which is not something that I ever would have guessed at the beginning of the season. So that's already very good for them. But, uh, and, and then like, I, I guess the one last thing I'll say about their playoff chances, they do have, again, the elite talent gives them a very good edge against a team that like goes on a bender, but you know, is kind of fake because if Thatcher, if I told you Thatcher Demko stole a semifinal against the, the Edmonton Oilers, because they, they beat the Kings in round one, and then Demko stole a, a series against the Oilers. That wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world, right? No. No, not at all. That's the the ultimate X factor that they do have. Yeah, and at which point you're in the Western Conference Final, and yeah, you're probably not going to be favored in that, but it's one series, and again, you have the elite talent that can, that can, that can help you through. So, I don't know. Like, I don't think they should be... Like to me, in my mind, they're not the first group of contending teams that I think of, but 
I, I think they should be probably in that second tier. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that, that definitely makes sense. It's going to be interesting to see what the models and stuff do with them if they enter the playoffs with like a 104 PDO. Yeah, Money Puck has them as the third most likely team to win the cup, and that feels way too aggressive. That seems, yeah, pretty rich for me. They have Carolina first at 10.8, Boston second at 10, Vancouver at 9.9, Colorado 9.4, Dallas 9.4, Florida 7.7, Edmonton 7.6, Tampa 5.8, Winnipeg 5.4. I'm pulling up Pinnacle right now. Yeah, that's that's a good one as well. Um, They want me to confirm my locations. DraftKings (laughs) it is. Um, Uh, Guess where they rank be a draft king so i pull this up i would assume they're like i don't know the the east also looks pathetically weak <laughs> this year too so i'm gonna guess they're like eight maybe ninth i could see that that's that's the right range i would guess here we go wow this ui is an assault on the eyes right now <laughs> nhl all-star game god damn it NHL team futures champion. We have the Oilers in first, the Avs in second with the Bruins. Makes sense. We're on three Rangers, Panthers, Hurricanes. So that's six. And then the Jets, Canucks, Knights, Stars in a tier. Knights in the same tier as those three surprise me. Four, sorry. The other three in a tier together makes total sense. Agreed. So they're they're tied for what is that seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth? Yeah. Yeah. So I, again, I would Just probably favor. Yeah, that and that, honestly, that <laughs> does kind of feel right, right? Yeah, like it, it probably does. As shitty as that is to say aloud. So, yeah, like that that seems about where I would think. I'm just looking at uh, Batano to see if they have anything different. They have Oilers, Avalanche, Can- they have the Canucks third, tied with the Avalanche for second. <laughs> That's on the Canucks should not be favored over the Bruins in a, in a playoff series right now. Yeah, or the Panthers even. Like I, I really like this Panthers team too. Yeah, or the Hurricanes. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know. It, it'll be something to keep an eye on for sure. Um I think the biggest thing will be how do they weather the obvious regression in terms of shooting percentage that is going to come at some point, you know, like they've been on an absolute heater and that's, that's great. Uh, and, and everything like that. Um, and they put themselves in a spot where even if they go cold for 10 games, it's probably not going to matter even in the slightest, uh, which is again, a really good thing for them. Um, but I, I will be curious to see when the slide does eventually come like they're eight Oh, and two in their last 10, when they have a slide where they go two, six and two, or, you know, three and seven or whatever, how do they respond to that? And, you know, what does that, what, what do people start talking about this team? Like when that happens? Yeah, that is going to be really interesting. I, Vancouver's so dramatic as a market. I feel like it's going to be like the sky is falling the second that happens. Yeah, I, I could probably see that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, again, it it sounds like we're being negative on this team, but the the thing that I will say, I would have never, never, never guessed that this is where they would have been halfway through the year. Like the fact that they are, I think, fair enough in a position to buy Elias Lindholm, even if I don't agree with maybe how good the team is, like I can see absolutely why they did this. Um, The fact that they are there is amazing in in itself, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, um, maybe I wouldn't buy in their shoes, but I respect it. Like if I was in the room, I couldn't in good faith push too hard back against the idea. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I I am really curious to see if slash what else they try to do, because I I do still think they could probably use an, uh, obviously another defenseman and then probably another depth forward or two if possible, but that's just a lot of adding to do, right? Yes. 
Yeah, especially I'm assuming they're going to come up against the cap at some point. Yeah, they're right at the cap. And that that was another reason why I think uh, Mike Johnson was saying he wouldn't be shocked if they move Zadorov. Like they're they're they have 2.7 in uh, LTIR use right now because they are over the cap. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, they have current space of 1.8 million dollars. Yeah. So like they, they have room to add a couple pieces, like a couple smaller pieces, especially those depth guys that don't cost too much, just like when their deadline cap hit rolls around. But um, I don't know. I, they're going to be shown the watch. I would like to revisit this if they're still going hot come playoff. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure we will kind of deep dive them as, as the, the season keeps going on for sure. Yeah. So, um, all right, let's move on to another piece of news. Uh, this one's a little older, but I, I did want to talk about it quickly. Uh, Brendan Gallagher suspended five games for a headshot on Adam Pellick. Um, this is one of the most uh, absurd. Like, the Department of Player Safety never ceases to amaze me. Um, this is how a group of people that can be this obviously horrendous at their job can keep their jobs for this long is mind-boggling to me. Yeah, this was something else. For anyone who didn't see it, Brennan Gallagher comes across the middle. Uh, Adam Pellick's moving the puck out. I, I, don't, I think he just maybe was a little farther than Gallagher thought. Gallagher, you know, he, he beat Gallagher. Gallagher realized that and... It did look kind of reactionary, but just sticks his elbow and chicken wings up right to the head. Pellet goes down. He was hurt. I don't know if he's back or not. I, I didn't look. Um, Gallagher gets a five in a game, rightfully so. Announced the next day, no in-person hearing. So that means it could only be five games or less. And this is the thing I, I cannot wrap my head around. So Gallagher's played for a long time. I don't think he's ever been suspended. You know, like he, he's obviously a pesky player, but I don't think you would classify him as a dirty player, which is fair. Yeah. But the, this is the exact thing that they have worked so hard to get out of the game. The fact that they didn't even give the option for an in-person hearing is the most absurd thing I have seen in so long from this stupid department. Yeah, this was... This was the dumbest thing I've seen on a hockey ice surface in a very long time. I was I was trying to remember the last time I've seen a just a direct check to the head this bad. Like and, I now I tweeted this could be a a forty game suspension and I would not blink. Yeah, and like so I, I think you know Gallagher's history is a reason why it is not. Like if this was Tom Wilson throwing this hit, it's 25, 30 plus, right? Like, yeah. And I'm not saying Gallagher deserves that because it is his first suspension, but it's like, it just, the thing I don't understand is how did you not give the in-person hearing? And then if Gallagher comes in and really pleads this case and goes, man, like, like th- I, I did not mean to do this. It was so stupid. It was reactionary, but I got my elbow and you go, okay, we're going to give him five. That to me is bad, but it's, much less bad. You know what I mean? Agreed. But it actually, it at least me leaving the door open for yourself. Like you just have to do that. Exactly. It's like, oh yeah. Cause then you could say, it's like, yeah, we were going to go a little higher, but we did hear him out and he raised some good points or whatever. And like, cause th- th- that is the thing. I don't think this hit was like, this wasn't him coming across the middle being like, I'm trying to end this guy's career or anything like that. But it was just such a bad hit that you it was like not. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it was just everything wrong. Like, you can't draw it up much worse given the circumstances. No, like, that is literally when they, at, at refing clinics, they show you videos of, of, like, major penalties or, like, show you a clip and then be like, was this a minor, a major, or a match, or whatever? It's like, that would be under the definition of five in a game for head contact. Yeah, 100% it would be. So, like, I just, I cannot wrap my head around how this department keeps doing this over and over and over again. Like, and and again, I, I think part of the reason is the owners do not want any other players to be suspended, and the PA does not want anyone to lose a paycheck. Because you, you still get paid if you're on LTIR, as sad as that is, so they only care about the guy getting suspended. Um, but, like, 
how do you not at least give him like 12 and know he's going to appeal it and it gets bumped down to like seven or eight or something like that? Like, what do we do? Try. Because, and and everyone's talking about, oh, president, president, like you, you can't, you know, you can't throw too much because then what if someone else says it's good, you should set the standard as high as you can so that the bar can only come down after that. If you feel it wasn't quite as aggressive. Yeah. Also precedent only works if you were correct in the past. If you were obviously wrong to begin with, precedent is just continuing to be wrong on purpose. That is not a good argument. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, yeah, this is, I just, again, I really tried my hardest not to talk about Department of Player Safety too much, but this was one where I was just, I, I, I cannot believe that they didn't even give the option for more than five games. Yeah, that's absurd. Just a, a failure of the people in this department who genuinely should be ashamed of themselves. They don't take their job seriously if this is what they're doing. It's it's just as simple as that. They really do not. Yeah, it, it's insane. So um, one other piece of actual news uh, before we get in, maybe it's just a quick smaller topics. Uh, we have an extension to talk about. Owen Tippett signs a new deal with the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, he is staying in Philly for a good long while. $6.2 million AAV on a uh, eight-year deal, I believe. Yep, eight-year deal. So just a, a shade under $50 million total, $49.6 million. Uh, Tippett is 25 years old, having a bit of a, uh, definitely a breakout season, I would say this year. Um, and Philly has identified him as a guy they want to lock down long-term. Um, I'm curious to get your take on this contract. I like this deal. I like this deal a lot. He was a good play driver last year. He's been mostly good offensively at putting the puck in the right direction. Um, he hasn't really gotten power play results well over the past season and a half. And I think if he does, it's going to look like a steal. And given how good of a shooter he was known to be coming up, I think there's enough to talk yourself into there. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I don't hate the deal by any means. Um, my biggest drawback on it is I just don't know if I see the upside for Philly. Like, yeah, I don't think there's huge upside. I think if he pops on the power player, like, oh, he's a he's an $8 million player with a rising cap is like your best case scenario, but still. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and that was kind of my thing of like, I, I don't think it's a bad deal or anything. And like, I would be very surprised if this is like a horrendous deal in, in at any point, but like, like he had 27 goals, 22 points for, or 22 assists for 49 points in 77 games last year. That's a very solid season. This year, he's got 18 goals and 12 assists for uh, 30 points in 46 games. So again, another very solid season on pace for about 53 points uh, this year. So like, and, and this kind of feels like what he is. Um, it's a fair point by you that maybe if he gets some power play points or even just some more assists, like he has more goals and assists in his NHL career, which is pretty rare to see out of a guy who's played like four and a half seasons already. Um, or, or four full seasons, I guess. Um, but so, yeah, maybe if he just starts getting some more points, you think differently of it. But if if he's like a 55 to 60 point guy who just has like fine underlying numbers, I would say that's a, a about fair value for $6.25 million. Um, yeah. I think, the, though, this is like the reward contract you should hand out at fair value to the 24-year-old. Agreed. Like, this is better that he's signing this now than when he's 28 or whatever. Um, you see the 31-year-old sign that deal, and they're like, oh, well, how could you not sign it? You got to reward everything he's done. It's like, yeah, you, you got to just get over that and not pull the trigger. This is the exact kind of guy you should be willing to be like, yeah, let's find something that works for both of us here. Yeah, that, that's fair. And I guess my biggest thing is I just really wonder what Philly still sees as their plan going forward here. Um, I, I know John Tortorella came out and made some quotes about how like, yeah, I expect some tough decisions to be made coming up here, which basically I think signifies that the team realizes they're still not very like as good as their standings probably suggest and, and that they, I would assume are probably going to sell a few guys still at this deadline, which um, 
I, I think it's very smart. Like I, I everything that Briere's done so far, I have thought has made complete sense and um have really liked the 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 approach they've kind of taken. So I do have kind of confidence in where they're going. I just I kind of wonder what they see as their plan because if it's like, well, we want to be in good in three years or whatever, it's like, okay, I can see that and maybe tip it at 6.2 or whatever. And is, you know, a guy who can kind of help insulate Mishkov when he comes over for a bit. And I just, I, I kind of wonder if like 32 year old Owen Tippett is who you see helping your team power forward or, or, or whatever is my, my only kind of like hesitation, if you will, with this, uh, with this contract. Yeah, and that's totally fair. I do think by that point, though, we're probably looking at that like a like a four million dollar contract in today's terms. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, if the the cap keeps going up and and everything, um, yeah, th- that is fair. I think and maybe I I was a little too I, I wasn't down on it, but I just I guess I didn't really see the upside, and and I don't think it's like I would be very surprised if you know in three years time we're like oh my god he has twelve million dollars of on ice value or anything like that, but. Um, I, I think there is enough there that it makes, and you do have to play people at the end of the day. Like, you know, we, we joke about how many people teams should probably trade and, and that people do like retaining guys maybe too often. But at the end of the day, when like a guy like Mitchkov comes in, if that's when you're ready to compete, you can't just be throwing him to the wolves and being like, good luck, buddy. Yeah, exactly. This is, yeah, that's like the going right for a good second line score. And, you know, you need to ice second line scores. There's there's value there. Yeah, and you know what? Like I'm just looking at it now too. Like if you compare it to um Joel Farabee and even Drake Batherson's contracts, like when you adjust for the cap going up, it's probably not that much different in terms of percentage of cap when signed. Yeah, yeah it's gotta be similar. So yeah, you know what? I don't mind this. Yeah, I think it's a I think, eh, good little deal. Good. It's not, you know, something to freak the fuck out about, but I think it's it's a perfectly good deal. Give it a thumbs up. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I also re-signed Ryan Poling to a two-year $1.9 million per contract. I don't have many thoughts on that. I, that, that was a name I was like, that seems a little interesting to really need to keep him around, but I... I Maybe it was one of those things that they like him in the locker room and they figured they were only going to get like a fifth fifth round pick or something like that at the deadline for him. So they wanted to keep him. I, I don't really know. Yeah, it seems pretty unnecessary to keep him around, to be honest. But yeah, if it's if it's helpful in the room or something, I guess it's probably cheap enough. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you see Zach Parise sign a contract? I did. He's with the Avs, right? He is with the Avs. I missed this the other day. Um, again, not much to talk about. He hasn't even skated yet, and uh, I don't know how much he has to give, but if he can be a guy who comes into the bottom of the lineup and plays when needed or whatever, like, fair enough. It's it's a league minimum contract. I don't, I don't think there's going to be too much about it, but I also don't see the downside. He had 34 points in 82 games last year and 21 goals. It's not like he was... Like he is back to back fifteen goal seasons uh, in the past two years. It's not like he's been absolutely washed or anything. He's just obviously nowhere near what he used to be. Yeah, he's been like a serviceable player, which I mean that's cool. League men say you down downplay and say he's just an average third liner with age or something. Yeah, I don't know, even if he's an average fourth line, that's fine. Yeah, I think for Colorado too, the big advantage of this is it kind of bakes in some. Um, needed depth while uh Natushkin is obviously in the the assistance program um yep and just in case some some injuries come or whatever and uh you know I was Ryan Johansson hasn't really worked out how they were kind of hoping that he was going to work out so I'm not saying he's going to take over Johansson's spot or anything like that but it just kind of gives them another option that middle to to bottom six uh kind of lineup yep yeah I agree so um Last thing I want to talk about before we get on out of here is the uh, the LA Kings are they're going through it right now. They are. They're bad. They are bad. Um, it's funny we we had talked about them earlier about like being in the cup contender conversation if the or the way their season started kept going and uh, they went yeah no hold my beer we're gonna we're gonna show you the exact opposite and uh, 
I don't, th- I mean, I, I can't admit to have watched a ton of games, but I don't think it is a shock that the second Cam Talbot stopped playing a 930 and became an 880 goaltender over the last like two weeks is when they absolutely went in the toilets. Um, I'm just going to list you their goals against on the last couple games. So two against Nashville, good for them. Uh, four against the Blues, five against the Avalanche, five against the Sabres, four against the Sharks, uh, just one against the Rangers, two against the Predators in a loss, five against the Stars, uh, two against the Hurricanes, five against the Red Wings, uh, and then three, three, four, all in losses, four, a three, a three and a loss, a three and a loss. Like It's been a mix of obviously not getting much goaltending, but their offense has just dried up altogether as well. It's been kind of crazy, actually. It I, like I haven't seen this aggressive of just. I don't even know if I call it regret. Like I don't think I call the offense even regression. I, I don't know if they had like a a bad shooting or a high shooting percentage at the beginning of the year. I'm sure they maybe higher than most teams, but like I don't remember them being absurdly high. I do remember Cam Talbot playing obviously above what you'd think Cam Talbot is going to play at all year, but like. Have you looked at their possession numbers? They're miserable. On no, the season, they're, they're, they're really good. PDO. Sorry, yeah, I have yes. a sort of not what I thought I had a sort of by. Their PDO third, is miserable. third in Corsi four and third in expected goals this year. Um, like yeah, like they're just they're getting the bad end of luck. And I, I what do you do in this situation? Like, because I I've seen people suggesting a coaching change and. And maybe you do just have to make the change simply to make the change and and hope that that's what spurs kind of luck in the opposite direction. Or like, do, do you just keep going with it? Like, I, I, I don't know if there's a right answer, but this team you... playing really well underlyingly. I don't know if a coaching change is really what they need. I think you don't change the coach for the sake of changing the coach specifically because of Byfield's breakout. Like, you've finally got the guy you need to be your franchise player looking like he could be a dominant NHL player. I don't think you turn around and fire the coach who got that out of him for the first time in, like, five years just because you're on a PDO slot. I think that saves his job. Yeah, probably. And, like, apparently Blake is a huge uh, Tom McClellan fan, so, like, it's very possible that that does. But, I mean, they got to turn it around somewhat quickly because... Like they, they have slipped in play recently too. Like they're so they're still top three in underlying numbers for the season. I just searched from January 1st, just using that as a cutoff of they've played 15 games since then and lost basically every single one of them. Um, they're still like respectable, like 13th in uh expected goals, and I think they're 15th in Corsi four percentage. Um, no, eighth in Corsi four. So like they're above 50%, but it's not like they're dominating quite to the degree they were earlier in the season. Um, but like I don't know. Like they're, they're they're playing fine. I guess is kind of my point, but maybe not quite as dominant as the overall season stats would suggest. But I, I don't think you switch the coach. I, I really, I wouldn't be shocked if they did, just because that's kind of what NHL teams do in this situation. But I don't know if that's the right. I I, I think it's not the right move. Actually, is where where I will fall on that. Yeah, I think it would be a mistake to do so. And then again, it's the classic. If you do fire them and then things go better, it's like, well, did you even actually make the right decision or did you just start getting bounces? The Edmonton Oilers uh, situation. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know what the right call is there, but um, I know obviously in the past when the, the change does, because it, it is a tough one as a GM, right? You make the change if they continue to suck you usually don't take too much flack for that. You go out the downs, the downfall had already started. What did you want the GM to do? If you make the change and you get the bounces like Edmonton has, you're credited as a genius for making the change. And it was a needed change and all that stuff. And if you don't make the change and you keep to lose, you look like an idiot. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Which makes, yeah, that is a hundred percent what it is. So I, I, I think if they haven't done it now, they probably give him a 
a couple more games. Uh, they won going into the break, which is good. You know, get that kind of win off your back because they have like 10 days off now, but they got Edmonton waiting on the other side of the break. Who is either going to be fresh off of having their 16 game win streak snapped or like or whatever it is at that point and probably pissed off ready to win, or they're going to be looking to extend a historic win streak even longer. Yeah, it's not ideal coming into town. No. Um, you go Edmonton, Buffalo, New Jersey, Bu- uh, Boston, and then Pittsburgh out of the gates. Uh, so a bit of a mixed bag for sure on teams they're going to play. But I think they like you probably get an, a week or two. Like two weeks would take you to you get Columbus after that, the Predators, the Ducks, like... I could see them banking some wins there and that that maybe maybe helps the job. But if they come out and lose to the Oilers, Sabres, and Devils or something, I, I think McClellan's probably in trouble. He's gone. Yeah. I agree with that. So um yeah, that's that's all I really had. There was some stuff on Utah and the, the coyotes. And it sounds like the NHL's again not thrilled with the coyotes and, and how they're going. Um, but I I think we can just kind of wait on that until there's maybe a little more uh tangible news, shall we say. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Well, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, you can find Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66 and all his work at EliteProspects.com. I believe there were some grades that came out this week, Chase, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we did our midterm rankings. So definitely go. Yep. Go check that out for, I'm assuming, all 32 teams, correct? Oh, no, like the draft rankings. Oh, okay. There we go. Um, so even better, if you want some 2024 uh, draft content, uh, go check that out uh, at EliteProspects.com or on Chase's Twitter. There's a link there as well. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff. I just posted uh, a podcast uh, tonight, actually, on the Ottawa Senators um, going over just kind of they're actually winning a few games, which has been fun to see as a fan and and kind of just talking about what they do at the trade deadline and, and uh, you know, uh, why the Chris Tanev rumors to me are absolutely bonkers, but uh, go listen to that. If you want to hear my thoughts on the Ottawa senators um, at last, last word on Sens podcast is where you can find that wherever you're listening to this. So uh, thank you everyone so much for listening and we will talk to you all next week. <laughs>